0: Revelation chapter 17, now, you know, sometimes at Christmas time, it's hard to read these last chapters of of the Old Testament and this last part of the book of Revelation, but we need to finish the Bible, all right? We need to, every year we like to finish the whole Bible together. Revelation chapter 17, beginning with verse 1, then one of the seven angels who had the seven bowls came and said to me, come, I will show you the judgment of the great prostitute who is seated on many waters. Now notice, the great prostitute who is seated on many waters. This is the false church. Not the true church. The true church has gone up in the rapture, remember? This is the false church. And they are seated on many waters. So there is a worldwide influence. Verse 2. With whom the kings of the earth have committed sexual immorality. All right, so the false church was politically popular. And they've committed sexual immorality with the false church. You say, Pastor, how can they do that? Evidently, during the Great Tribulation, sex is going to be very much a part of the false church. And with the wine of of whose sexual immorality the dwellers of the earth have become... Drunk, all right, so they've lost their senses. Now, some of you wonder, how could how could the world become so hard to God, seeing the reality of God, crying out for the stones to fall on them during the Great Tribulation, seeing the two witnesses, seeing the 144,000 Jewish evangelists? I mean, with everything they saw, how could they be so senseless as to deny God and, and continue in their rebellion against God? Because the false church had them drunk with sexual immorality. Now, evidently, something is going to happen in that tribulation period where you think there's free sex in the world today. I think you're going to see, and you know, we can only speculate. But you remember in the ancient Roman and Greek world, part of worship was with temple prostitutes. We learned that in the book of Corinthians with the temple prostitutes of Corinth. So part of worship in the ancient Roman and Greek worlds was to have sex with a prostitute. It was considered an act of worship. And I think you're going to see a lot of that return in the false church. You're going to see more and more. And honestly, as we get closer to the tribulation, you're going to see more and more sexual immorality become accepted and maybe even spiritualized among what I would call reprobate Christianity. And he carried me away in the spirit into the wilderness. And I saw a woman sitting on a scarlet beast. I noticed the woman sitting on the scarlet beast. The woman is the false church, and the scarlet beast is the Antichrist that was full of blasphemous names and had seven heads and ten horns. I noticed the false church is sitting on the scarlet beast. In the early part of the tribulation, the false church actually kind of controls the Antichrist, or the Antichrist makes it or creates the illusion that he is being controlled by the false church. Religion is a very powerful way to control people. The woman was arrayed in purple and scarlet and adorned with gold and jewels and pearls. Now notice, this woman, this is the false church, See, adorned in purple, that's royalty, Scarlet, again, royalty, and adorned with gold and jewels, so wealth. The false church will be very wealthy in the tribulation, holding in her hand a golden cup full of abomination and the impurities of her sexual immorality. Now again, notice how often we're seeing this concept of sexual immorality. This is just constantly coming out. And on her forehead was written a name of mystery, Babylon the Great, the mother of prostitutes and of the earth's abominations. Now, the false church is basically the mother, the mother of all false religions. Now, to go back and do a study of Babylon the religion, there's many great books written on it. I've got several This is not just the Catholic Church. So the Catholic Church is a large part of it, as we'll see in a moment. But remember, the true Catholic Church is gone. All the true believers are gone. We went up in the rapture. All right, so don't don't say that Babylon is the Catholic Church, because (laughs) the true Christians, every true believing, salvation by faith Catholic, goes up in the rapture, just like every true believing, saved by faith, Protestant goes up in the rapture. All right? But Babylon the Great, the mother of prostitutes, she is the origin of all of all false religions. And it goes all the way back to these ancient goddess, goddesses, long before Greek and Rome. But that's another study. And the earth's abominations. And I saw the woman drunk on the blood of the saints. So she will lead the persecution of the saints. This false church will actually lead the persecution of those born again during the tribulation, all right? The blood of the martyrs of Jesus. When I saw her, I marveled greatly. Yeah, better believe you do. Here is this false church that is drunk with the blood of the saints. It will be the false church that will lead to the assassinations, to the murders, to the beheadings, to the killings, Of true believers during the tribulation. So true believers, yeah, remember 144,000 and the two witnesses. But the angel said to me, why do you marvel? I will tell you the mystery of the woman and the beast with the seven heads and ten horns that carries her. And I noticed the Antichrist carries the false church. This is a very close relationship. The beast you saw was, is not, and is about to rise from the bottomless pit and go to destruction. Now, so the demon that actually possesses the Antichrist is held right now in the bottomless pit. And the dwellers on earth whose names have not been written in the book of life from the foundation of the world Will marvel to see the beast because it was and is not and is to come. So, many people believe, and many scholars believe, that the Antichrist will have died and then seemingly come back from the dead. Others say this is a demon spirit that existed in the past and now this demon spirit returns. Okay. <clears throat> but I want you to focus on something good here, all right? Written in the book of life from the foundation of the world. God in his foreknowledge. God in his foreknowledge. God in his foreknowledge has a book of life. And every person who would ever be born again, since the foundation of the world, their name is already in it. That's God's foreknowledge. Remember, we talked about foreknowledge. And because of foreknowledge, God predestines. This calls for a mind of wisdom. The seven heads are the seven mountains on which the woman is seated. These are the seven hills of Rome. This is why we know that the false church will be based in Rome during the Great Tribulation. Now, again, you cannot say that the false church, the Babylon, is the Catholic church. Remember, all the true believers will be gone. Every true believer, whether they're Protestant or Catholic, will be gone. So you've got all these buildings and all these assets. And the biggest set of buildings and assets, of course, in the world, among all Christianity, is in the Roman Roman diocese. It's in the, Roman, it's in the Vatican, all right? There are also seven kings, five of whom who have fallen. One is, and the other is yet to come. And when he comes, he must remain for a short time. I can't preach through all of this. As for the beast that was and is not, It is an eighth, but it belongs to the seven, and it goes to destruction. This is dealing with the the different empires. Go back and review Daniel is what I normally say here, referring to the kingdoms. And the ten horns you saw are the ten kings who have not yet received royal power, but they are to receive authority as a king for one hour together with the beast. They are of one mind and hand over their power and authority to the beast. Now, these are Ten kings of the revived Roman Empire. The Antichrist will not take authority over the world by power or might. It will be done voluntarily. These ten kings, okay, these ten kings highlighted here, These 10 kings of what is basically Western Europe today and part of Eastern Europe will receive power. These men will come into power for a very short time. And what they are put in power for is one thing, and that is to turn over their power and their authority to the Antichrist. So the Antichrist does not take dominion over Western, most of Eastern Europe by, by force. It is done by volunteer. They will make war on the Lamb, and the Lamb will conquer them, for he is Lord of lords and King of kings, and those with him are called and chosen and faithful. This is the battle of Armageddon. And the angel said to me, the waters that you saw where the prostitute is seated are the peoples, the multitudes, and the nations and languages. All right, so, We come back up here, we'll go back up a little bit, and you see this woman seated on the nations. Let's find that verse. Let's look, oh, here we go. Verse one, on the many waters, okay? Now come all the way down here. Okay, now we see the many waters. Are the peoples, the multitudes, and nations and languages. And the ten horns that you saw, they and the beast will hate the prostitute. Now, that's that's very fascinating. She rides on them and dominates the Antichrist at first, but later they will turn. All right. So Satan's kingdom, there's no loyalty. They will turn on the prostitute. They will make her desolate, naked, devour her flesh, and burn her up with fire. So the Antichrist will destroy the false church. Now, at first, he will use the false church. Remember, the false church rides on him. Remember, the two of them are working together, all right? And the nations are, the nation's leaders are drunk with her prostitution, but there will come a point that she will, that these ten kings will hate the false church that make her desolate, naked, devour her flesh and burn her up with fire. So the false church does not survive the tribulation. All right. The false church does not survive the great tribulation. For God has put it into their hearts to carry out his purpose by being of one mind and handing over all their royal authority to the beast until the words of God are fulfilled. This is the sovereignty of God. God says these 10 kings are going to voluntarily give up all their royal power to the Antichrist. And the woman you saw, and here's the false church again, is the great city that has dominion over the kings of the earth. Now, again, the false church controls the kings. Remember, she rides on the Antichrist. Now, this is I like what one scholar said. At the beginning of the tribulation, these political powers need the false church to control society, and the false church controls society by sexual prostitution, and the whole world becomes drunken with the sexual prostitution of the false church, but at the same time, you can just imagine the blackmailing and stuff that takes place. So, by the end of the tribulation, she has no more dominion over the kings of the earth. They will hate her, make her desolate, naked, devour her flesh, and burn her up with fire. The tribulation is not going to be a very nice time. All right, let's open up our hearts and spend some time in worship.
1: Shout to the world, shout to the-
0: Testament passage today picks up with Zephaniah chapter 2. Zephaniah chapter 2, and there are some absolutely amazing passages in here today. So let's get started. Zephaniah chapter 2, verse 8. I have heard the taunts of Moab and the revilings of the Ammonites. Now remember, these are the the children of Lot with his daughters to that drunken incestuous relationship how they have taunted my people and made boast against their territory. Now, now, this is important because remember with me, God gave Moab his own land and he gave the Ammonites their own land and he gave Israel their own land. In fact, he told the Israel people of Israel that they were not to take away the land of Moab and the Ammonites because that land God gave them. So now these guys are going against Israel. Therefore, as I live, declares the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, Moab shall become like Sodom. All right, so there's nothing left. And the Ammonites shall be like Gomorrah. Again, nothing left. There's no, there's no remnant. All right. A land possessed by nettles and salt pits, a waste forever. The remnant of my people shall make plunder of them. So again, notice God's people. God's people remain. There's always a remnant, okay? These guys, the Ammonites and the Moab, they're wiped out. But God's people has a remnant. This shall be their lot in return for their pride, all right? So they reaped. This is a reaping. Because they taunted and boasted against the people of the Lord of hosts. Now notice, this is the price of arrogance. The Lord will be awesome against them, for he will famish all the gods of the earth, and to him shall bow down each in its own place all the lands of the nations. You also, O Cushites, shall be slain by the sword. He will stretch out his hand against the north and destroy Assyria, and it shall make Nineveh a desolation, a dry waste like the desert. And it exists that way to this day, by the way. Herd shall lie down in her midst, all the kinds of beasts, even the owl and the hedgehog, shall lodge in her capitals. A voice shall hoot in the window, a devastation will be on the threshold, for her cedar work will be laid bare. This is the exalted city that lives securely, that said in our heart, I am he, there is no one else. What desolation she has become, a lair for wild beasts, everyone who passes by her hiss and shakes her fist." Chapter 3, verse 1. Woe to her who is rebellious and defiled, the oppressing city. She listens to no voice. She accepts no correction. She does not trust in the Lord. She does not draw near to her God. All right? So, wow. This is a bad place to be. This is a bad place to live. Can you imagine living your life? You listen to no voice. You accept no correction. You do not trust in the Lord, and you do not draw near to God. Wow. Her officials within her, now notice here's the government officials. Her officials within her are roaring lions. Her judges are evening wolves that leave nothing till morning. Her prophets are fickle, treacherous men, and her priests profane what is holy. They do violence to the law. The Lord within her is righteous. He does no justice. Every morning he shows forth his justice. Each dawn he does not fail. Now, just notice the contrast. Her officials, they're roaring lions. They're always, I mean, they have, (laughs) let me put it this way. She listens to no voice. Her officials are roaring lions. All right, so big mouth. Her judges are evening wolves that leave nothing to devour their takers. Her prophets are fickle. That's self-explanatory. Treacherous men. Her priests profane what is holy. They do violence to the law. Now, this this is a big deal. This is to use God's word to hurt others. Using God's word for violence. You know, there are people that just take the Bible and use it to attack people. And you know what? That's not what the word of God was ever meant for. They, they take scriptures out of context and use it to attack people. The Lord within her is righteous. So he, he said, listen, look at the contrast. Look at how different God is. The Lord is very different than the government officials and the spiritual leaders. He does no injustice. He shows forth justice. <laughs> but the unjust knows no shame. Now, this is, this is another wow. Have you ever met people that know no shame? It's just in their arrogance and in their pride and in their rebellion, they, they know no shame. He said, I've cut off nations. Their battlements are in ruins. I've laid waste their streets so that no one walks in them. Their cities have been cut off desolate, without a man, without an inhabitant. I said, surely you will fear me. Surely you will accept correction. Now here's that concept of refusing to accept correction again. Then your dwelling would not be cut off according to all I have appointed against you. But all the more they were eager. Wow. To make all their deeds corrupt. So eager to make every act a sin. That's amazing. Every act, all their deeds a sin. Therefore, wait for me, declares the Lord, for the day when I rise up to seize the prey, For my decision is to gather nations, to assemble kingdoms, to pour out upon them my indignation, all my burning anger. For in the fire of my jealousy, all the nations shall be consumed. For at that time, I will change the speech of the peoples to a pure speech. Wow. Only God can do this. That's God changing hearts. Hearts changed that all of them may call upon the name of the Lord and serve him with one accord, unity. Only when God changes hearts and speech becomes pure can there be unity. For from beyond the rivers of Cush, my worshipers, the daughter of my disbursement shall bring my offspring. On that day, you shall not be put to shame because of the deeds by which you rebelled against me. Now notice deeds by which you rebelled against me. Rebellion has actions. For I will remove from your midst. Now, this is powerful. For then I will remove from your midst your proudly exalted ones, and you shall no longer be haughty in my holy mountain. But I will leave in your midst a people humbly and lowly, and they shall seek refuge in the name of the Lord their God. Wow! Wow! So God removes, wow. God removes the arrogant and God leaves the humble. Wow. The humble and lowly, and they shall seek refuge in the name of the Lord their God. Wow. I will remove from your midst your, these are people that belong to you, proudly exalted ones, and you shall no longer be haughty in my holy mountain, but I will leave in your midst a people humble and lowly, and they shall seek refuge in the name of the Lord of God, the name of the Lord. I sat down with a pastor one time of another nation, and he had just been through a horrible problem. And this assistant pastor had split the church and taken a large group of people out of the church. And he, he was just so discouraged. And I said, I would not be discouraged. I said, you need to look at this. I said, who's left? I said, God took out the arrogant. Never be sad when God does what he says. God hasn't changed. God takes out from us. He removes. We don't have to drive them out. They leave. God removes the proudly exalted ones. God removes the haughty. And I said, now look at who's left. I said, it's your best people. It's the people that God will exalt. God exalts the humble. God exalts the lowly. I said, it's the people that God is going to raise up. And he looked at me and he said, I'd never thought of it like that. Well, you know, that pastor today as a church church, Three or maybe even four times bigger than he had all this years ago when this happened, this like 20 years ago now. His church was maybe three or four times larger than it was even at its peak before these other guys happened. And you know what happened to those other guys? They all they bite and devoured each other until they don't exist anymore. I saw that pastor not too long before lockdown. And I was talking to him and he was laughing. And he reminded me of our conversation all those years ago. To be honest, I had forgotten about it. He said, you know, Pastor, he said, it is amazing. He said, I started looking. And and to me, this was the important part of the story. He said, I started looking at the people who were with me very differently. He said, I looked at those people that left as if they were my strength. He said, I thought these people were the strength. He said, in actuality, Pastor, those people were the church's weakness. And he said, when I started looking at the people who remained and began to see them as the strength of the church, the people that God would exalt, the people that God would lift up, he said, Pastor, you should see the businesses of these people. You should see the people that have stepped into leadership in the church now. He said, they were always held down by the arrogant ones, but now, now, now look at them. And I thought, yeah, yeah. Sometimes as pastors, we have to look around and we think that, oh, these big, powerful people that left, they're all that. Pastor, listen to me this morning. Those big, powerful people that left, be thankful they're gone. Why? God removes the arrogant, but he leaves the humble because those are the people he can use. Whoa. (laughs) Whoa. Whoa. Those who are left in Israel, they shall do no injustice. These are the people that are left, All right? These are the people that are left, all right? So again, notice, these are the people that are left. This is why, Pastor, listen to me. Some of you out there in the province, especially, some of you in other nations, listen to me. These people that are left are very different than the people that, 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 that took off. These people that are left now, they do no injustice. They speak no lies. They shall be found in their mouth. They shall not be found in their mouth a deceitful tongue. They shall graze and lie down, and none shall make them afraid. The people that remain have peace. The people are going to be happy that these others are gone. Pastor, please, revolutionize your attitude a little bit, all right? Sing aloud, O daughter of Zion. Shout, O Israel. Rejoice and exalt with all your heart, O daughter of Jerusalem. The Lord has taken away the judgments against you, and he has cleared away your enemies. The King of Israel, the Lord is in your midst and you shall never again fear evil. (laughs) Now you've got to get a hold of this one. God never stopped being king, okay? God is king of Israel. In the great tribulation, a new temple, and then the um, thousand year millennial reign when Jesus rules and reigns on earth. I want you to remember, David is no longer called a king. David is called a prince. Jesus is king. Mm. Think with me, how many times, how many times the people of Israel wanted a king, but God said, no, I'll give you a prince. Mm. (laughs) God said, you know what? I never gave up my rights. I'm king of Israel. On that day, it should be said to Israel, fear not, O Zion, let not your hands grow weak. The Lord your God is in your midst, a mighty one who will save. Oh, now, now, oh, just get, get this. He will rejoice over you with gladness. He will quiet in you by his love. And he will exalt over you with singing. This is like a big wow. Now, you need to just work on this all day long. This will make you smile and do a chicken dance and you know me and my chicken dance. This this will make you smile and do a chicken dance every time you think about it all day long. Now, I can understand why I can get emotional about God, but for God to get emotional about me? For God to get emotional about you? He rejoices over you with gladness. See, you you're going to you're going you're gonna to just have to just sit down one day and think about the fact that God loves you. And God enjoys loving you. (laughs) It is not a burden for God to love you. He enjoys loving you. He rejoices over you with gladness. Now, another translation says he dances over you with joy. Oh, beloved. Every time he looks at you, He rejoices over you with gladness. And then notice the third one. He will exalt over you with loud singing. Now, we see all through the book of Revelation, all the singing happening in heaven, all the angels singing and the four living creatures and the 24 elders. But did you know that God sings? (laughs) He exalts over you with loud singing. God looks at you and bursts into song. Can you just get a hold of that for a little bit? I mean, he enjoys loving you. He looks at you and rejoices over you with gladness. He looks at you and he bursts, not into a, oh, I love them. I guess I love them. No, he bursts into loud singing, oh, I love them. That's God singing over you with loud singing. (laughs) Ah, you and I are never going to figure God out, I think, until we get to heaven and we see him face to face and we finally begin to understand the greatness of his love for us, the greatness of his love for you, and that he holds nothing back in that love. It's a passionate, emotional, rejoicing over you, exalting over you with loud singing. But Look at the second one. He will quieten you by his love. Have you ever noticed how a woman can be through so much pain and a husband come home, put his arms around his wife and say, sweetheart, I love you. And she just quiets down. Sometimes I call it melting. She just quietens down. Now, if you can understand that, multiply it by infinity. There are times when we are so stressed and so hurt. And he just makes his love so real to us. (laughs) That's why I like the New Testament passage. We we keep ourselves in the waiting room of his love while we wait for his mercy and grace he quietens you by his love see when you know he loves you you're not too worried about anything else i gotta move on this but this is ah this is huge he said i will gather those of you who mourn for a festival so that you will no longer suffer reproach he said i'm gonna make you happy Behold, at that time, I will deal with all your oppressors. All right? So there are people who oppressed Israel. And there are people who oppress us today. And I will save the lame and gather the outcast, And I will change their shame into praise and renown in all the earth. Into praise and into renown. Some of you have felt a lot of shame this year. You lost your job. You haven't been able to pay your bills. But you know what? Don't get mad at that company that had to let you go. They needed to survive. The company's not your provider. God is. Ah. God said, I will change shame into praise and renown. Mm. God's going to turn shame into praise. Instead of people making you ashamed, people are going to praise you. People are going to talk about your reputation as a good thing. So notice, this all has to do with reputation. At that time, I will bring you in. At that time, when I gather you together, for I will make you renowned and praised among all the peoples of the earth when I restore your fortunes before your eyes, declares the Lord. That's a promise to Israel and to us. Remember, we're part of the covenants of promise. We've been grafted in. God says, I will make you renowned and praised among all the peoples of the earth when I restore your fortunes, your fortunes, before your eyes. You will see God restore your fortunes. We're asking God for 2021 to be a year of restoration. Now, I know you read the news and it looks like 2021 is going to be a really bad year because... No vaccine till maybe the third quarter, they're saying, and we know we see all this stuff. But don't put your faith in the world. Put your faith in your heavenly father. Faithful is he who promised. Amen. All right, let's open up our hearts now and begin to tune our hearts toward the service tonight. We're gonna have a wonderful candlelight communion. Now, again. Those of you who would like to come by either today or tomorrow for a little 15-minute, we call it a Christmas moment. Now, this is not for connect groups to come in. This is for families, the family bubble, all right? You're keeping the family in a bubble during the holidays, the family bubble. So as a family, you come in as a family and have a Christmas moment. We'll have some special music for you. We'll have uh, some prayer time. We'll have a little sermon for you and communion so that you come into the house of God as we celebrate the birth of our Savior. For those of you coming to Candlelight Communion tonight or tomorrow night, and again, may I encourage some of our faithful leaders, please come tomorrow night so that there'll be more room tonight because we're still at 30% capacity. But we're opening all the campuses this year, not just main campus. We're opening all the campuses, but we can't do two on one night with there's not enough room, not enough time to sanitize everybody or room to put people in. So we'll do it tonight and tomorrow night.